Sam Ryan Hidari, the host of the Sex Lies and Lawyers. We are here with another episode of the Sex Lies and Lawyers. We have a very dear friend of mine, John Orlando. I like here. that. The dear friend. I graduated. Mm, thank you. Yeah. Dear friend <laughs> status. I like that. I'll take it. How are you it. going today? I'm good, man. I, I, uh, I had a good time last week at your grand opening. Thank of, you for coming over and it's support. Not, I don't know what I pictured, but it wasn't that. The, it's beautiful. First of all, I pictured like an old office building, and you found the coolest building. It's like a, <laughs> I don't know what it was. Was it once a house or something? No, or? it was a law firm before. It was? Yes. It was a law firm. It was a commercial building. We just remodeled the entire thing outside inside within a two months, actually. It looks amazing. The, the, uh, the decor... I was just blown away. The sign, uh, how the sign is backlit, like, on, and then the sign on your in your own office. You have that sign, like the furniture. I loved everything. I thought it was really Thank cool. Yeah, you. it was good. Yeah, you you didn't pick out that furniture though. My wife. Your wife and did. My friend. Actually. Your wife loves me. Yeah. I'm her favorite. <laughs> I'm her favorite person. You are the most favorite. First thing she says most is favorite like, and the wanted on the list. She's like, no more hot girls. I'm like, the show's called Sex Lies and Lawyers. What do you want? She's like, no more of that. Change the name. That's a, that's a, that's your problem with her. It's my problem. It. Yeah. I'm coming here and only just manage. You got me in hot. Well, I wasn't at that party. I hadn't taken two bites of food yet, and and she comes you cruising up to me. Down. Your job. Orlando. Yeah, I need to talk to you. Pulls me aside, <laughs> smack me around. <laughs> why is a sex and why is a lawyer? It should be something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then I, I threw out sample names to her. I was like, okay, how about hookers, lies, and lawyers? That didn't go over well. She didn't like that. You know, I couldn't get her. She's so conservative. Yeah, she I couldn't like the name. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, it was so, funny. And then I even I uh, Dr. Leslie was at the party as well at the grand opening. Yeah, who's already been on the yeah. show. So I said, what about hers? There's a doctor. And she's like, nope, too hot. No good. <laughs> really? Yeah. I didn't know so this. Then, yeah. <laughs> so then, um, so then I, you weren't so there for this, were you, we George? Do? Did you hear all this? No. This, this is, is all true. This yeah. Is, and so, man. so then I pull up, I pull up on Instagram. I pull up Vanessa, my girlfriend. I pull up her page. I go, how about this girl? And she's like, no way. Too hot. And I'm like, I go, that's my girl. She's like, I don't care. Too hot. No good. <laughs> man, I don't know what to do. Is your, your Fault. And your wife looks like a supermodel herself, so I don't even understand what the problem that, is. That's but the reason I don't know. She doesn't. There's want only room for here. one supermodel oh in this city God. on this yeah, show, that's and that's show. her. That's Nilofar. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Um, but I wanted to ask you. So I have some. I've got questions for you, Sam, because Thank it you. dawned on me when I was at the party. In my head, you know, I've known you now. I don't know, six months or whatever it is, and um, obviously, you're a very successful attorney. Thank you. But it wasn't until I went to that party and I looked at all the people there and a lot of people working for you and, and the different offices. And I know you have how many people that work for you in L.A.? How many, how many lawyers? In L.A., 40, 40 people, the staff, and 10 lawyers. Right. Okay. So you're actually it, – it's call me stupid, but, like, you're actually an entrepreneur. I didn't realize. <laughs> like, I just – in my head, like, oh, you're an attorney. Like, you're just a, – you're a lawyer or whatever. But, like – I wanted to talk about all the different pressure that comes because I feel like you almost have a double life, right? You have, you're an attorney on one side, so you've got all that stress where you got to deal with all the different cases and trying to, you know, fight in court and win for the clients. But then also, you're a boss, you're an entrepreneur, you've got employees, you got a lot of, that's a lot of stress, right? So you are a customer service, provider of customer service because we, 
due only on the contingency fee agreement. It means that clients can leave us at any time. Right. If your customer service is not good, your staff are not returning calls or they are not giving updates, they are, your attorneys or myself are not reachable when there is an issue for the client, that I can go anywhere else and I'm not getting anything. Right. So that's a stress. I mean, is it like a full customer service plus litigation and the pre-litigation and the trial? And also at the same time, you have to deal with the experts, you have to deal with the vendors, you have to deal with everyone. That's not the one aspect to say, hey, it's just litigation or it's just pre-litigation or it's just a right. staffing. You have to deal with all of them. So how do you do that? How do you manage both sides of that? It's with the help of the office manager and other people, but I have to get reports every week. When mm -hmm. I come to Vegas, uh, two days, three days actually that I'm in Vegas, I get the report about the marketing, about the litigation team, pre-litigation team, marketing, admin, meetings back to back that uh, brief me as to what's going on, what the plan is, and meetings from morning till afternoon with the vendors, with the marketers, with the experts, with the clients that right. they wanted to meet me. So in two, three days, actually, is my schedule is full completely when I come to Vegas on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursdays. And you say the marketers, that's because like your space you're in is so competitive. There's so many person. like if you drive down just the 15, Interstate 15, there is nothing. If you could probably go from downtown to like the South Point Casino and see, I don't know, there's probably 15, uh, 15 billboards. billboards about the personal injury lawyers. Right. So you're, that they practice. you're all fighting for the same pool the same of pool. people exactly. that got injured. That's exactly the thing. But um, having a billboard is different. And practicing law, sometimes I tell people in the car accident, people think that it's easy to make the money. And they, some of them, they look at the pre-litigation situation. They send the demand, they get the money, and they never litigate. But rarely you see those people, they go extra miles and good litigation or you transfer the litigation to other firms that they share the attorney's fees with them. And less motivation for the litigators. That, that's the reason that I keep everything from pre-litigation all the way to the t end of the trial, even sometimes the appeal in-house, mm. makes us motivated and my lawyers to just litigate and advocate for the client is they don't look at the attorneys and say, oh, 50% goes to the firm that referred it to us. Right. It's all ours and we fight for it and we get it for the client. The more we get for the client, the more we get for ourselves. Right. And we are not sharing that attorney fee with any other litigation firm or a trial firm. And we make whole, clients makes whole. That's the reason that, yeah, a lot of people get into this business because they think that it's easy and they do pre-litigation and they sell the cases for low amounts, just whatever comes to the desk, and do a mass production. A mass production is easy, but... And that's just trying, meaning just trying to get people to settle. Just to trying settle to get the and get the money and get the settle. Get, settle right for away. twenty-five but grand, fifty grand. Settlement is good, but not always. Insurance company, after a while, they know that you are a seller. It means that you sell your cases. You don't litigate it. They start lowballing you. Got they it. They say, eh, just take this instead of the hundred thousand or million, take the half a million right. that I send it to you. Or instead of the twenty-five thousand, they give you half. Right. $8,000. And over, uh, you know, how many cases a year would you say you do? Is it thousands? Right now, we have around 1,400 open cases wow. in okay. Southern California, so, yeah. California and Nevada. So just selling low would, is a big difference than if you just saw cost, it through. The cost is high, actually. It's not something, but having a lawyer's in-house, actually, and being on the, as an employee and not on the percentage to get motivated <laughs> to work on the cases. 
there are other business models where the, some law firms, they say that they are partners or they are right. um, actually, they tell you that they are employees, but they are contract. They get the percentage. They don't get salary out of the firms. It's not. My business model is not like that. They are the part of the firm. They so that's are what I was going to ask you. So law group. They are not going to be based on the percentage out of the case. They get some percentage as a motivation and a bonus, not <coughs> but selling the case because my boss wants right. the money right. and we wanted the bonuses. They are well paid. They try it. They try to litigate it to the end and they don't sell it for less. Right. So that's a lot of stress. That's where a lot of stress comes in, right? Because you're paying, is you're high. paying salary to the attorneys, attorneys that work for you. And you have to manage this. But you're taking cases on for free until, until they until settle, you win, until then, they settle. Uh, yes. So and you're some, you're really exposed. Exposed a lot. Right. And sometimes the expert in one case it takes around hundred fifty thousand dollars to two hundred thousand dollars expert till you try the case to pay the expert. And who pays that? Our firm pays it. And if we lose or win, that's the money that we spend. Right. So our expert funds possibly is the millions of dollars of expert fund that we have to litigate the cases and hire experts. Most of the firm, they, even they, when it gets to the expert, they give it to someone else or they just sell it. The time that they have to designate expert to advocate for the case. They file, but they go all the way to the time of the expert or two months before that and say, oh, give it to someone else. We don't want to spend that money. Right. Because the retainers are expensive. Each expert, 5000 10000 just to uh, review the documents, 20000 You get easily to forty, fifty thousand $50,000 within a 60 days before the trial or 75 days prior to the trial after the expert designation for your case. That's a, that's a huge burden on the firms. That, that's the reason that you see some firms, they do only pre-litigation. Mm -hmm. As for doctrine, they take cases and they sort it out, they send it out to the other people. Some people, they just do the trial and the litigation for those firms. Okay. Rarely you see that firm does both. Right. In Nevada or California specifically. That it takes a while because it takes money, it takes time, it takes management, and you have to be so organized not to miss deadlines and yeah. manage the attorneys. Ten attorneys to manage. I said you think that attorneys, they don't need management, but no, they need management. And yeah. that was so. the next thing I was going to ask you is, is you have your own caseload that you're personally working on cases. Yes. And then do you have to touch all of the cases at the office, though, at, in yes, some I get capacity? Yes, I get a report from the lawyers every two weeks, and I ask them what's going on. Brief me as to what this going on is, what the strategy is, who is deposed, what the discovery is done. Give me the facts. Right. What's our last offer? What's going on? What's the plan for the trial? Who you are going to depose? They have to have that briefing for me as to the cases. Every two weeks, one of the lawyers comes in and brief me as to their cases is allocated to them. Then if yep. there is a need for the, another associate to take over or senior associate to take over, we allocate it. And do you you help them out with strategy too, I would imagine? Of or, course. Yeah. That's a, I monitor my cases fully. Right. And I know my clients. Right. All the 400 cases in litigation, I know them. <laughs> That's how many there is like right now? <laughs> I have Between LA and Vegas? Yes, 430 in the court wow. cases that are active litigation. Wow. Yeah. And how many days a week are you actually in court? It depends. If it's a trial, for example, on Monday I'm starting a trial, it's going to be around seven days to ten days, back to back every day you have to go. But there's like Nine to five? Um, 8.30 to yep. 5 and break in between, but you have to go and present the case to the jury. But as to the motion hearing recently, they are mostly by Zoom or the blue jeans mm -hmm. in California and Nevada. 
and you attended by Zoom, my most of lawyer, that he saves a lot of money for us, specifically because we don't get paid hourly. Right, And the depositions right. are by Zoom, most of them. Yeah. Recently, before, you should have gone or send your associate to somewhere to defend the, attend the deposition. Yeah. Now, you do it by Zoom. Everyone is by Zoom. Or they wow. had to come to your office, you are a shortage of the conference room. Two conference room was not enough because you were having two depositions at the same, three depositions at the same time. Now it's so convenient and is uh, more efficient for the plaintiff side. Defense side, they love that because they go out, the insurance company pays them, they drag the case wherever, and they go, uh, even the travel time, it counts at their billables. Really? And, yep, that's the thing. And it's beneficial to us because we work on the contingency fee agreement. Right. It means the faster, more efficient we bring it to the resolution, yep, the good, better for that you. It is better for me because sometimes attorney fees comes up with a thousand dollar per hour that you spend it if you break it down based on the average right. on the case sometimes is a 20 bucks right because you Literally. spent a lot of money right. and you didn't recover anything because you hit the <laughs> right empty <laughs> pocket or yeah. something yeah and that's the thing um that it's a little bit of stress you have to manage the cash flow in the personal injury firms and it's, it's not easy to start you have to survive on a year a year and a half at least on your own and right. pay the employees and expand little by little it takes a while and one case can be a game changer good or bad right literally one case exactly. could sink you and one case could just make your whole life it almost it depends on how much you spend on the case right it never sinks you unless you spend two million three million five million in costs in it or drag it for it those are the big cases uh, the product liability cases but right. usually the cases either you win or you no, you lose or you recover low verdict, then you have to appeal to see that what's going on in the case because some situations. Overall, it's a risk involved. That's a reason they say the attorney's fees is contingency and is higher. There is no hourly yep. to use your creativity, actually be creative as to what you want to do in the case, strategize it and make it faster, more efficient to make more money. Right. It's beneficial to us. Sometimes the lawyer, the client says, why are you taking too long? You say, you think that I like that to take it too long? No, it's litigation because it's not the fair amount that for your damages, you end up with the low money or the, for damage, it's not the fair compensation. And I, if it's some other lawyer that tells you that, yeah, they can f close it fast, they're lying to you. Right. Because there is a disputed liability. There are pre-existing condition in the back and they are blaming the causation to something else. There is no way. If you want to sell less, yes, you can just do it. And if you are happy, it's you are the master. You are the person who pulls the string. But I'm telling you, it's not beneficial to you. Sometimes they ask, oh, why is taking that long? You say, and after a while, they stay and wait. They will see the result. They say, oh, man, I couldn't believe it. Uh, you told me. And say, yeah, I told you, be patient, do your homework, and it's first your health, and you get your fair treatment, and you get the fair damages, actually, reimbursement for your damages. That's the thing that some people, they think, oh, you are dragging because you get more money. Say, yeah, but I get more money, you are getting more money. <coughs> it's mutually beneficial <laughs> to right. both of us. It's not right. something, and that's it. And sometimes they say, yeah, sometimes I tell the client, don't drag it anymore. It, you are going to lose. Yeah, it's better to sell it, take it, and someone say, "No, I want to fight it. I want to go all the way." And say, "I'm not going all the way because I know <laughs> that I'm losing my hundred thousand dollar cost, right? Not my attorney's fees that <laughs> hourly that I spend, my associate time, my paralegal time, all those things. In addition, I'm going to lose the in 
uh, expert fees right. and all those things. And then you are going to pay? <laughs> it's, right. it's not reasonable for me to go. No reasonable lawyer is going to go try that case because it's crazy. Because right. you lied on the record, for example. And it's contrary they to what you thought. Exactly. Right. Did you see the movie Aaron Brockovich? No. <clears throat> no? No. Oh, my God. you got to see this movie. It's What's a true about? story about a... I'm, I might mess this up uh, exactly, but it's with Julia Roberts. It's old. It's, it's probably 15 years old. It. She's a paralegal or like... A, actually, not even. She's like an assistant just at a law firm. Um, and uh, it's a true story. They, they ended up suing a power company, uh, like the power lines in this Pacific. neighborhood... Pacific Gas Electric. I'll oh, fill in the blanks. Something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they, they, all these people that lived in this neighborhood, they were getting cancer because they lived in houses near the, like right and underneath right, the power lines, power whatever. Lines. And um, th this girl, this girl, Erin Brockovich, she went and brought the case to her uh, boss, to, mm -hmm. to the lawyer. And uh, he was like, we can't go up against a big company like that. We're a small law firm, like you can't do it. She went and did all the research and like talked to all the, you know, all the victims and their parents and the, you know, all that stuff. And, and, um, they ended up winning like a huge settlement. I want to say like $500 million or something crazy. Um, a hundred, there you go. I got it all wrong. 133.6 million, million dollars. One okay. year <clears throat> settlement that says, uh, 1996. Whoa. It was a lot of money. I yeah. Yeah. Um, you should watch that movie though. Yeah. Aaron, I'll send it to you. Uh, I, I think I remember that. Movie. Yeah, I watched it, but I don't remember the name. But that's what I was going to ask you: is ha have you had any class action suits? Have you done any no, of those or not no? Because those are, are not, massive, are massive, right? Sometimes we in uh, California we do PAGA as a like a class action in the employment. Yeah. Uh, for example, one big corporation is starting to just taking some hours or the miscalculating the wage and hours. You can act like an attorney general and go in the shoes and bring the class action on behalf of the all the similarly situated people in that company during that time period that they were uh, short on the payments or they were having the brakes problem or the, they are nothing. That's kind. Yes, we do. Paga. They call it Paga in California, but okay. there's no such a thing in Nevada. You popped a button on your Ooh. on your you're, you're uh, exposing yeah. yourself. See, it's sex, yes, lies, uh, and lawyers. That's oh the sex God. part. You I wonder what the wife will say to, to that. Listen, was, I'm uh, sending girls here. They keep their clothes on. You're taking off your clothes. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not taking uh, off. I don't know what happened. Okay, <laughs> don't blame me. <laughs> um, what's the fun part for you? Is there a fun part? Like, is going to trial fun? It's fun. It's uh, sometimes is. Tiring. It depends on the counsel on the opposite side. Depends on the case. Depends on the client. <clears throat> there are a lot of factors going to the trial or yeah. having litigation. Even sometimes taking the position is fun because you are exposing some parties or the big corporation as to what, how scandalous they are, and mm -hmm. they lie on the record as to what their position is at this case, and then ask us to the other case and say hey what about if this goes out and it goes become public in this deposition you are still advocating for that then all those people can come over and claim it say yes but i know that they are fighting so hard to keep that confidential because right he admitted something on the record the right. person most knowledgeable of that company yeah that is going to damaging to the other cases not the that case in hand at that time um, <laughs> They so do that. Do you ever have such a good deposition? It goes so yeah, well for you that you, you crush them and they just wave the I'm white flag. They're like, the we quit. Motions to come out that this confidentiality is going to be removed, and then to see that what happens. But I cannot talk about it okay. because that deposition is confidential and the protected by the confidentiality agreement. 
but since there is a public interest in it, we are going to ask for the court to designate it a non-confidential those part, mm. and then it can come out and other people can use it against that corporation. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, and you may not be able to say like the exact name or whatever, but like, so for Monday, if the one that's going to trial, what type of trial is it? Like what, what happens? Could you say that? It's a car accident. Our client was a passenger and uh, was, had the pre-existing issues. She was transported to the um, hospital after the accident. And the insurance company of the driver in the back sell the case with the two passengers in our vehicle and, uh, and the driver and forgot about our client. They never called our client, even though she was transported and her name was in the police report. And it was very interesting that uh, she transported, she had the same cell phone and the insurance company of that person that rear-ended our client yep. sell the case offered the 2550 to three people inside without contacting our client or contacting our firm. Later, we found out and say, hey, you have to sell this case with us. The bills are $60,000, $70,000 and tender the limit. They said, oh, $13,000 is left. They said, dude, no, no, you no. are not supposed <laughs> to do such a thing. You should have done a due diligence to contact us right. or contact the client. They say, oh, we didn't have the client's contact. They say, it's on the police report. And then they say, oh, the phone was not working. You said, this client has been my client in California. This phone number has been there for eight years. And I called in front of them and say, hey, do you see that they are, she's picking up? So don't lie. So I will give you opportunity to tender the limit again right. by Friday. And then they didn't. Wow. They were, it's silly, yeah? It never escalated. So you've got now, them, they're dead. Now, they're now the policy is open. There's a concept that if they didn't act in a good faith or they committed them, mistake in adjusting the claim which is they sell it with the three they forgot ours <laughs> actually our client right they have to pay there is no limit on the policy anymore it's called oh, wow. open policy now we can get the very million half a million two million they have to pay there's wow. no limit even though the policy was twenty five thousand dollars and this is the insurance company that you're up against yes always which oh right right yeah, I guess so. Because but, we, but I mean, we but, represent the but in this case, who was that uh, not at fault? Right, but in this case, the insurance company made a mistake. Made a mistake in adjusting right? the claim. Right. So that's a little different Paying than right. But now they have to defend the insured anyway. But hopefully, they advise their insured that they made a mistake, and if there is the exposure to the verdict of the half a million or one million, that person is responsible. Wow. If they hid it from him, there's another bad faith. For them. They and in bad faith. It's always trial by jury? Yes. You want know. that, right? Yeah, all, yeah. always. You don't yeah. want a judge to decide right. your case on the facts. Right. No, does <laughs> anyone ever do that? Is there ever a judge? Uh, it depends. Just a judge? Traffic stuff? Traffic. Or if you go to a federal court, for example, and your defendant is a mail, uh, uh, is a post office, it should be decided by the federal judge because that's a rule. There okay. is no jury right. That's huh. the way it is. There are some exceptions in the federal court, not the state. But a state court, only the family law is not a jury, and uh, probate is not a jury, okay. and uh, family law. These are the things. Some of the special courts that they don't have jury, and by the Constitution or by the state constitution. When you watch TV or movies and there's courtroom drama scenes, <laughs> is it ever like it's that? Cool. No, it's not. <laughs> Never? No. 
Sometimes it is. It depends on the case. You're never like pointing yeah. at the, you know, yeah, did you or did you not? <laughs> You're never yeah, doing you that? Do. Yeah, you do sometimes. You get I, heated I in there sometimes? It depends on the jury that you are dealing with and they are bored or not. Sometimes you want to wake them up. You don't know or get their attention. You do, but not yelling at someone, but just make him to sweat on the seat, hot seat. Yes, as an expert that they are just lying up to ears actually yeah as to everything is pre-existing on the 32 years old that got the surgery because right what there was another accident 10 years ago so of course the jury is not going to buy that's a and are you moment. ever are you ever going off on a rant uh where they're saying like you know objections sustained and you just keep talking did you ever do uh, that you have to do just over and over it depends it depends if you wanted to preserve it for the appeal you have to object but the right. judge is going to overrule or sustain they right. have to change the question always you have to stand up and say objection objection foundation yeah you have to object if you don't object later right. you don't preserve it for the appeal there should be a ruling by the judge as to each objection that you do when and then the testimony is it a t again i just know from like movies and stuff but like sometimes they'll say something uh, actually, I've even seen it on, like, when I watch Court TV, or, I, well, Court TV's not even a thing anymore, but when Judge it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, they they would say something, uh, and then the judge will say, you know, the the the, uh, the other side will object. The judge will, will sustain Sustain it. or overrule. And then they'll say, like, you know, jury, disregard that. But sometimes you guys say that knowing... You, you just want to put it in their head, even though you know it's going to get ethics, thrown out, right? I'm ethics, not supposed to ask you that. <laughs> yeah, but you are not up, you are not going to poison the jury. You are, right. If you do it intentionally, sometimes the judge is going to pull the defense or the plaintiff to the sidebar and telling, hey, if right. you do it one more time, I'm right. going to sanction you. But sometimes yeah. they get it in just for just a minute. Sometimes they do, lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot deny it. Sometimes yeah. they do, and they are hurt. The, the cat is out of the bag. Yes? Right. And it depends. Sometimes it causes a mistrial. If it's so egregious that it's going to poison the jury and you cannot rectify it by the jury instruction to tell them don't pay attention to that, ignore that fact, and is not is super prejudicial, it becomes an appealable issue. Later, they can just reverse the verdict based on that. It depends if it's a harmless or error or the right. non-harmless error. That's the thing. And you're always working. Um, you always take the cases where you know that it's the uh, the person really was wronged or the person no, is they were innocent. Injured. Right. Know. We do. Sometimes it's a 50-50 or a little bit more. Yeah. Anyway, in Nevada, you can just get compensated as long as you are not more than 50% at fault. Mm -hmm. If you are 30 percent at fault, still you can recover your damages in a tort, in means that the car accident and the <clears throat> malpractice, up to 70 percent of your damages, whatever that the jury awards, then they multiply it by 70 percent, they give it to you. But if you are one, even one percent more than 50 percent, the jury finds you at fault, you don't recover anything. Wow, it's contrary to California. California is a pure comparative jurisdiction. It means even you are. 90% at fault, still you recover 10% that you are not at fault. Really? Yep. That's a, that's a very interesting difference between the California negligence and law. And, uh, Remember you had, you had Evan on? Um, Evan is my realtor, and he was in a yes. bad car accident. You had him on the show. Um, so his dad got in a car accident like two weeks ago or a week ago, gets hit by an 18-wheeler, doesn't go to the hospital, 
He is a macho. No? He doesn't want to. He's a strong guy. D yeah, didn't want to go. Did, felt, thought he was okay. Next day, now he's in all kinds of pain. And I'm like, what are you doing? Well, not call to, Sam. Uh, yeah, like, call Sam. That's, um, that's an interesting thing. Some people, they think that it's bad to claim. But right. the issue is, if you don't claim, if you don't treat, and later down the road in six months, you have right. to, Which two happens. years to file or claim. But right. insurance companies, they love the people. They, they say, I'm okay. They call them and say, hey, how are you doing? I'm okay. And I'm now good. it's on the record. And you said on you're the okay. Record, I'm okay. And after two months, they say, oh, man, I cannot just wake up. I cannot just move right. my shoulder. I cannot, and the limitation, the shoulder movement, neck or something. Right. And Can you it, overcome that as the attorney when it, they're on the record it's saying? It's so hard because the common sense is they... They you didn't go to the hospital. You, you said you're okay. Hospital, you are okay. So now you want money. And what they do, they say, is the attorney motivated? That's the thing that the opening statement of the defense, they say everything is attorney motivated. You didn't go to the hospital. You said that you are okay. And all of a sudden, you hired a lawyer. Right. You went to the hospital or you went to the doctors. Right. So you're lying. They are not saying, but impliedly in front of the jury, they are going sure. to it looks like a money grab. picture in a money grab. You are a money grab. That's right. it. And you are lying because you are not going. As a common sense, if you are injured, you go to the urgent care. If you are common sense, you go to your primary doctor. So for you, do you like taking? Do you like the challenge of taking a case like that? Sometimes if it is I legit can, and the person really is banged and up, really banged up, <laughs> and they can just testify as to it. Some people they take Advil, the other stuff right. at home. Yeah, right. It's natural. People understand it. On the jury, say yeah. Everyone doesn't rush to the. Right, and VR. your adrenaline, yeah. it's like getting in a fight. You know, you, you don't realize you're banged up until you get home a few hours later. You're like, oh, man, this hurts. Last Monday, um, this Monday, actually, we had the jury selection in Santa Monica, Department mm -hmm. D. And one of the jurors was talking, actually, when we were doing a war dire. Hey, uh, have you had any accidents? Say, yeah, I had an accident 35 years ago, and I had another accident um, five years after. I said, which one was worse? I said, the second was worse. And my car flipped in Pacific Palisade three times. Oh, wow. And I came out of the car, no scratch. I said, what about the, what about the first accident? I said, that car accident, it was not my fault. It was a major rear end. I flipped over again. But my back hurts from that accident still. Wow. I never claimed it. And I regret it. So that, that was a very interesting thing. That, yeah. Uh, it shows that... You can just get hit by a truck and you are not injured. Sometimes you get the hit by a truck and you are a wreck or it's a right. minor impact. Right. It hits you and your neck cracks. And if you have a pre-existing condition, yep. it's going to be aggravated and it becomes painful. And if it doesn't go away, yeah. they are responsible for it. But always the insurance companies and defense lawyers say, oh, no, it was a, no visual damages. It depends on the position you are in the car. It depends on the body. Each body is different from the other bodies. Someone is athletic. Actually, some people are just susceptible, more susceptible. It's like an eggshell. You can just put the finger on it. It breaks one person. And another thing is not the egg. It looks like an egg, but you smash it. It never breaks. Right. So it depends on the situation, where you are standing as a person and your body and the condition. That's a thing that people, they have to understand it on the jury. You are telling me that your friend's dad is a two months? Yes, I take those cases. Mm -hmm. But they have to go to the doctors and document everything and the testimony. And those cases become litigation. Right. Because there's a gap. They're saying, oh, your <coughs> client is lying. Till they take the position of your client right. and explains to them that he was in pain. He doesn't want to go. He's that kind of personality. 
and the witnesses, the family or the at work, he was just got off early. They know that he had pain. Then it shows, no, this guy was really injured. <laughs> then that gap is a natural gap, two months, yeah. two months. But it cannot be six months because no one just <laughs> uh, get injured and never goes to the doctor for six months if it's that excruciating. Right. Have you ever had a case where uh, the person is in the right, you believe that you know, they, they got hurt or whatever happened, but you're representing someone that's telling the truth, and they just have a meltdown on, on the stand, and they're not good at that pre Like my mom would be a perfect example. My mom's them. the most honest oh. person ever. My mom would have a meltdown on the stand getting cross-examined. honesty is not an issue because if they are not honest, I don't take the case. Right. The first impression they make on me at the sign-up. Yep. Yes, if they are not telling the truth, it's better not to sign them up if you want to take it to litigation, especially if there's disputed liability right. or pre-existing condition that you wanted to prove to the jury because they are not, if you, I don't believe it, jury is not going to believe it. Right. And why you have to waste right. your money and time and you are so-so as to whether they are lying or not lying, but usually you have to give a benefit of doubt to the client and say, hey, he's not lying, but you can lie. The meter goes off. Sure. The alarm that is, yep. She's lying. You don't take it. The, the issue that we deal with is uh, they lose their temperament sometimes because the defense trying to impeach them or talking mm -hmm. and accusing them of lying, painting them as a liar. They say, oh, you, had the, you went to the prior doctors, you said that, now you are not saying that. And you went to your primary doctor, you didn't say that, you said that. And they just get freaked out because it's embarrassing in front of the jury. Someone impeaches you and they think that they are they are painted as a liar. That's their job of the defense. Always try to show that this lady or the guy is not credible by impeaching you on everything that is possible, even is not relevant. If they ask you that question, have you ever gone to the gym? Gym actually, the, the gym actually after the this accident? Yes or no. Yes, they say no. And then they go subpoena the gym record <laughs> And they look at it. You're there five that, days a week. That's the reason I tell the client, don't lie or don't say anything if you don't right. remember. They say, I don't remember. Don't create facts. Right. You are not obligated to answer the question, yes or no. If you don't know, you don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but when you say it's that. It's not a crime a, not to know. No, exactly. And if you don't remember, you don't remember. If they ask the question 10 different ways, if you don't remember, you don't remember. Yeah. Why you feel that some people is out of the I do the same thing in a deposition. You don't look at the person, the person thinks that they have to continue talking and say something. And you look at them, you nod your head, and still they think they have to say something and they spill more. They yeah. spill more and more and more and more and then you get the fact, oh, okay, so what was that about? Then right. you start expanding on it. And say, man, if you don't know, just you answer the question. You don't know. Don't start saying irrelevant stuff then because the other lawyer or like me, I start getting it. and jump yeah. on it and take those and opens the door to something that is not even relevant and you get impeached for it yeah. for no reason. And right. you're creating facts or just not lying, but you don't even, but you feel obligation that you say yes or no. You see, yeah. you look at it, you say no or yes. You say, no, the answer is I don't know. <laughs> right. You know, right. why you are just feel the obligation that you have to get, say something. Right. That's so hard. That's the thing that the people, they have problem understand or witnesses stand or in the deposition because they feel that they have to say something and they don't think and the pressure of the camera in the deposition or the jury that they're looking at you taking notes is going to freak them out right and 
I had the worst one actually in Las Vegas that the client started fighting with the defense counsel. Literally fighting. And the judge reprimanded her in front of the jury. That's a worse situation. They're like arguing with each uh, other? Yeah. Over the, <laughs> over the thing. So even though we prepped her, I say, hey, never get into it. They try to poke you, trying to just start, instigate you to start something. Are, their right. job is to just say that you are not credible. Ask right. the jury not to believe what you are saying. Right. So don't get offended. Well, she got offended. <laughs> Has the circumstances ever been so intense in the courtroom where maybe you're talking about a kid that was killed or something like that where you've had you yourself have you ever had to hold back tears while you're uh presenting a case i had some wrongful death but the worst one was the worst that it was in las vegas that motorcyclist went under the trailer mm. and was flattened completely okay and you could see the face flattened on the thing and it's called nowhere and that was a horrifying moment, actually, that I look at it, I said, holy moly, that's not something, I, that's the reason we just put those photos, actually, yeah. as a ban as to people cannot see it in the office, because there are evidence, ultimately, the jury should look at it, Right. they have to see where it was impacted, and the, all the bodies under the truck, like, the, yeah. actually, like, a, is grounded meat, actually, yeah. underneath, it's so dangerous, so, yeah, those are the things that, Sometimes it's really horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you keep it together? I cannot say you get used to it, but you have to look at it. Right. And you have to just put it's like it like a there. doctor, it's right? A doctor. You're like you a, have to yeah. do it. Like the last podcast that we had someone that, uh, what was his name, um, that was Matt, cleaning up the crime scene. Matt Montague. Matt, Matt Montague. Right. Yes. And I asked him about the, <laughs> the worst scene that he ever saw and yeah. he started talking about that texas case yeah on our show that the guy with the amphet i mean or cut the rib cage out of yeah, the mother yeah, the mom, yeah. mom. it's crazy right it was crazy so that's it he had to deal with it we have to deal but ours is not at the fresh at the scene at least it's the photos it's the videos right and that accident was captured on the dash cam that's horrifying because the 18 wheeler made a really? left turn by seeing that lights are coming but he didn't stop in the pocket before making a left there, blocked the entire blue diamond road, and this motorcycle hit the thing, and the top of the body came off and went underneath. Trailer ran over him, and the motorcycle all the way to 300 feet. He was she he was speeding to some extent, but this trailer should not have made a left turn when they seen the lights are coming because you wow. cannot distinguish which light is faster than the other one when you are just. If you don't stop and you don't focus yep and he didn't do it he made a left turn right away and you can hear the sound is a it's a on the motorcycle under the trailer you saw, and you saw, you had to play that footage in you have court? to yeah, right yeah. not yet but oh it's coming up to. it's coming up yeah. oh wow so this is a, when yeah. was when did this happen around last year oh yeah. wow so when does that case happen it's last year it happened we took over yeah really so it was with a different firm at one point yeah, it was different firm in town and Got that it. they didn't do anything in the case and the truck was sitting over there for a year and the client That's was a, pissed. Is that, I feel like that might be your biggest case ever, no? It depends uh, on the liability. You have to <clears> go <throat> over the liability because our client had the skid mark of the 150, 100 feet, but it's still the argument is it's still you sh the driver should not have made a left turn. Right. 70 miles, 65 miles or 90 miles, it's still this 
driver, this motorcyclist was under the trailer or lost control. Something could happen to him. That's our argument. Right. Yeah. And you going for millions? Yeah. He was a, himself was a semi-truck driver, unfortunately. The he motorcycle was, rider was also yeah, a truck driver? And owning a truck and working 32 years old. Wow. Yeah. Supporting the mom. Yeah. Wow, so That's the mom's going to, is that your mom key is the witness? Mom is the key witness, yes, yeah. because he was supporting the mom and the family and the sisters. Wow, that's heavy. He now, was the breadwinner for the family. <clears throat> now, a case like that, is it just you that tries that case, or you have? Yeah, we have we, my lawyers and in the office, yeah, we do it, yeah. But we develop the case, we have an expert to test, uh, actually, the samples, do a lot of stuff. It's a lot of work Yeah. UC Davis are coming to just do it. What's the biggest case you've ever had? um financially like for for the firm financially we had around four million dollar settlement for myself actually for you your cut yeah. four million yeah that's amazing is that so when you win when you win a case like uh, that um did you a did you know you were gonna win like you felt like you were gonna win it and it was you, just a matter can, of how much you can see it when it's coming but you know at the beginning that the case is a good case actually you have the damages over there you have a good plaintiff yeah and you have a good witnesses, you have a good actually experts and the doctors, they did a good surgery, but there are disabilities, residual disability in it, unfortunately, sometimes those are adds value to the case for mm -hmm. the person for compensation. But also at the same time, it depends on the limit of the how much money the other party has. Right. Because I had the wrongful death, poor guy run uh, run over by a kid that was uh going 70 miles in the area of the 50 miles or something mm -hmm. on the crosswalk killed the guy on point and flown him but policy was how much you have or 15 30 what you can do nothing the guy doesn't have any answers so that's it all it is that's all it is that's it wow i that was my next question is there's winning and then there's collecting right those are two different Collecting, things. you can't collect. He files a bankruptcy and right. it goes away. You it's get a, a negligent, that it's a negligent, him, but... it's a negligent conduct. You can just, is a if you get the verdict, it still is goes away with bankruptcy. Is that why with in a lot of lawsuits like that, like they name every possible entity they can, they name the city if they can or whatever the it company. It depends on the, the theory of liability. Mm -hmm. It depends on who is going to be potentially at fault because you don't want to miss the statute of limitation. On those people later if you find out they can relate back and you can sue but if they were known at the beginning of the lawsuit you have to put all of them in later right. they say oh you knew about these people right Why? for example in the medical malpractice cases nurses and everyone in the room that they wrote the note on the thing and they did some services regarding that it should be sued but it doesn't mean all of them they did the wrong thing after a while possibly you are going to dismiss this one dismiss that one and as long as you see the possibility of having one um, little liability on each of them, you have to put them, unfortunately, in the lawsuit. Otherwise, you are going to miss that opportunity for your client to bring mm. them again. So you've got the firm in L.A. You got the firm here. You just bought this amazing building here. Uh, what where, the office in LA is same kind. This is in like a traditional office building kind of. No, kind we are thing? in the high rise. We are leasing in over there. It's a high rise. What part of town? We are in is... Wilshire on Wilshire Boulevard. Oh, yes. fancy! <laughs> uh, like Wilshire and what? Wilshire Beverly Wilshire Hills? Wilshire? And, no, Wilshire and Normandy because we're okay, closer yeah, know, to the downtown down court. Yes. Oh right, because that makes sense. Yes, near the court. On the Metroplex building. So, 
when you like when you buy that building here mm-hmm. and you've got your office there and you have all these employees, do you ever like look in the mirror and go like, I did it? Yeah, at the same time, it comes with a stress. Some people think that the, having your own business or going solo or creating the law firm is it's it's so easy and it gives you flexibility. Yeah, it gives you flexibility, but it takes away all your 24 hours mm-hmm. actually of the day. Right. You have to think about the cases even at, at night in the sleep sometimes. Right. <laughs> Unless you don't want to just expand. If you want to expand and have more cases and care about your clients, that's hard. It's not something it happens overnight. It doesn't happen by just working eight hours per day. Some junior associates say, hey, Sam, how you did it or how you deal with it. You send emails at night. I say, yeah, I send emails at night because I'm behind. Right. Yeah. At 1 a.m. I send an email, but it doesn't mean that you have to respond to it. But I'm as a manager, I have to just manage my firm because sure. I'm responsible to many people. Right. <laughs> right. But uh, they think that it's an eight hour job. The attorneys, they don't have an eight hour job. That's yeah. what I understand. Unless you want to do a pre-let. If you are a litigator or you have a firm or even you're working as an associate sometimes, there is no 20, there is no eight hour job definition unless you work for the entity or I don't know. It depends. But as a litigator, I haven't seen my friends or people that they were successful to say, oh, this is I go to work at nine. I come home at 530 and I'm going to close my laptop. I close my cell phone as a lawyer and I expect to be successful. It's not going to happen. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Do you ever take a day just? A Sam day, no work, no yeah, nothing? for surgeries, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and now you've got this new guy working for you, Dave Kohlmeyer. Oh, my God. How's he working out? Is he, is he doing it he's right? He's trying to hang out. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's cool. He's just streamlining a lot of work that operational-wise, actually, yeah. for me. Because those things are taking time, and it's hard. And I, I'm doing it, but I'm still supervising because yeah. today I like I'll say this you, window should be this way. I say it's good that you are here. I say yeah, hello. <laughs> I like that you'll send him a text at 2 a.m. You working? And then you send him one at 7 a.m. Are you up? Are you working? <laughs> I, do I see you by 7:30? <laughs> and he responds. And he responds. And he responds. It's amazing. Are you that. ever shocked? Like what? And what? I didn't think he'd be no, up. I know he doesn't sleep. Yeah. Actually, I know <laughs> he's like me. <laughs> wakes up in a panic and he's uh, responding. Possibly he puts it on the special ringtone. It's it's, it's honks. Sam is calling. (laughs) And he has an automatic test. Yeah, I'm seeing you. Yes, it's cool. Possibly he bought the bot actually something (laughs) to respond to me. I don't know. I'll have to check. Well, man, thanks (laughs) for... FaceTime me. Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for having me on again. I I already had respect for you, but you know, when I went, went to the party last week it really uh it's just you've really built amazing things and and i know um you know it's a lot of stress and uh i get it you know thanks for support yeah man yeah also for this show yeah and you are teaching me good stuff on the podcast i just gotta get in the wife's good graces that's my next goal sam that's my goal for the year and talk to her i don't know (laughs) i wanted to change this name i don't know we are good ranking and everything so you are going to deal with that you're gonna go home her to just talk to you and you sold me out (laughs) i I didn't know what was going on i got got bamboozled i don't know i feel like if, uh, if i went to your house somewhere there's my face in a dartboard and she's throwing darts at me I don't know. Um, I have to <laughs> Not, <check> yet. <laughs> <possibly>. <laughs> Not yet. Not <laughs> yet.
<laughs> oh man all right well that's okay. good stuff we're out okay so thank you and we will talk later it's over Bye.